going to be a good word this morning. You guys ready to jump in the Word of God? Well, good. We're in a, a series that we've been calling Sweet Dreams, and it's like talking about dreams in life and, and the, the hopes and the aspirations and the goals that we have set for us that maybe we want God to come alongside and, and what could happen there. But I wanted to share with you guys really quickly, I was... Um, Happy New Year, by the way, because I haven't been on stage to wish you a new year yet. I was on vacation traveling from Christmas Day right after Christmas service. My family and I went straight to the airport, jumped on a plane, went to, uh, flew to LAX, and we're staying in Huntington Beach, and then we did this crazy road trip. We went up there um, primarily to stay with Kanani's parents and let the kids see their grandparents and everything. And so let me just show you really quickly. I just uh, Vacation pictures time. You guys ready for this? Okay, this is us in Huntington Beach, and this is... Um, Grandma and Grandpa, and um, we actually brought, brought Gr Grandpa Glenn back with us, so he's cruising in Hawaii for a little while, but this is us. It was cold up there. It felt good, like real Christmas, you know, and I promise you that Sammy did have a good time. I just wanted <laughs> to see that. She didn't look like it, but that was just an off moment. We had a really good time, but then part of our goal was not just hanging out with family, but we went on a road trip. I rented a minivan, and we drove all the way up, we went to um, Monterey Bay Aquarium. Amazing, if you ever get a chance to go there. We hung out with some friends in Santa Cruz. You guys remember Pastor Danny Bennett that came and spoke the long blonde hair? We hung out with him and his family. It was just, it was awesome. And then we went all the way up to, because I had to, go to the Redwood Forest. Yeah, come on, Redwoods. So let me show you some Redwood pictures. I got to, this is us. We were that fired up. It was like so good. Like these trees were just so big and amazing. Show the next picture. The next one, look at how big this is. So someone tried to actually light a fire, a fire came around this tree, it couldn't stop the tree, it couldn't knock that tree down, it hollowed out the inside of that, but the tree was still living and growing in green, 300 feet tall, and my whole family fit inside that tree. We were just like, I can't explain to you guys, you gotta go there one day, it's one of the seven wonders of the world, the Redwood Forest, it blows your mind. I can't even show pictures and go, it was really cool, because it was, it was bigger than that. These trees are the oldest living things on planet Earth, the tallest living things on planet Earth, and you get this perspective of God and his majesty and his greatness, and it's like words like awe-inspiring or just like majestic or just, it's so like sobering. You walk through this forest and it's just like, these trees are really big and they're really old, and God, you're huge and I'm so small. But it was super good. Let me show you the next one. I was just loved, I was a tree hugger. Can I just say that? I was just loving these trees. They were so massive. So we drove all the way up through the Redwood Forest. And is that, is that the last of the, the beginning ones? Then we, we came back down to Disneyland. We had to do Disneyland. So we did Space Mountain. And um, again, that's probably why Sammy was crying because first time on that ride. Anybody been on Space Mountain, the roller coaster in the dark? If you're not ready for it, you look like Sammy, right? And the rest of my family. And I was, I was ready for it, let's just say it. I knew when the photo was gonna flash. And anyways, we had a really great time. And um, so we did this crazy road trip. We went all the way up to the Redwoods and came back down and visited friends and stuff. And then we, we went on the way down, we went to this place called the Winchester Mystery House. Has anybody ever heard of that? You guys ever heard of that? Let me tell you a little bit about the story. This is interesting, super interesting. There's this lady named Sarah Winchester and I got all the facts here. She was born in 1840, she died in 1922. So this is a while ago, but she was the wife of William Winchester, who is the son of Oliver Winchester, who is the founder and owner, CEO of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. You know Winchester Rifles? So this is the guy that started it. She was married to the son. It said the couple was married in 1862. They had one daughter in 1866 named Annie, 
but she died at five weeks old. So their only daughter, so tra traumatic thing for this um, lady, Sarah Winchester. So the couple had no more children. Her father-in-law now, Oliver Winchester, died in 1880, a few years later, quickly followed the next year by her husband. So she lost her only girl, she lost her father-in-law, she lost her husband within a matter of years, and it affected her, it did something. But because she was now the heiress to the um, Winchester money, it gave her approximately 50% ownership in the company and a huge inheritance. But here's the deal, this is weird, now listen to this. She was convinced that her family was cursed, and so she sought out spiritualists to determine what she should do. Uh, a psychic and a medium in Boston told her that the Winchester family was cursed by the spirits of all the people who'd been killed by the Winchester rifles, and that she should move west to build a house for herself and the spirits. She believed that if construction and building on this house ever stopped, she would die. So she just kept building this house. In 1884, Mrs. Winchester moved to west to California, purchased an eight-room farmhouse that stood on 160 acres of land in what is now San Jose, California. Immediately, she began spending her $20 million inheritance by renovating and adding more rooms to the house, with work continuing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for the next 38 years. She wow. just kept building, building. Constant construction and the lack of a master plan made the house very large and quite complex. And we took a tour of this place and it was weird and kind of spooky a little bit. Many of the serving staff, she had about 50 on staff, needed a map to navigate the house. It's so crazy, you get lost in this house. The strange house also featured doors that opened up into walls. Like literally we saw like, hey, check out this door. You open it and you're just like, dunk, oh, there's a wall there. Like weird and staircases that led to nowhere windows that look into other walls, floors, and ceilings. She built the house and kept adding on to it to confuse the ghosts of those killed by Winchester <coughs> rifles. She never slept in the same room two nights in a row because she was trying to avoid the spirits and the ghosts. She eventually died of heart failure at 83 and construction on the house stopped. It's got like 160 plus rooms in this house. It's crazy. Since her death, the sprawling Winchester Mystery House has become a popular tourist attraction known for its many staircases and its corridors leading to nowhere. Now, here's what I want to tell you in today's sermon. We were talking about chasing the right dreams. But here's the deal with Sarah Winchester. Super sad is what you read about her life. She spent the last 38 years of her life chasing the wrong dreams. She had a dream that said, if I don't constantly keep building on this house, these evil spirits are going to get me and I got to confuse him, and, I got, and the dream and the plan for her life, the remaining 38 years until she died, was in the wrong dreams. If somebody in there would have gotten in her life and said, you know what, Jesus is the right answer. You don't have to worry about this stuff. There's a, there's a Holy Spirit that we have that is greater than any other spirits, right? That the, the mighty living God in me is greater than any other spirit or force in this world, but instead, she was chasing the wrong dreams all her life. Now, we're talking today about chasing the right dreams, and what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of us that have dreams for our life that maybe we've been chasing the wrong dreams, or maybe we're just not sure. Maybe we're like, I'm going this way, but I don't, I don't really know if it's the right one. I, I hope that I'm making the right, right chances and the right choices. How do we know if we're chasing the right dreams? I'm hoping today that you walk out of here with a little bit of information that's going to bless your life and going, what I'm doing is actually serving a purpose, and it's actually 
ultimately leading to what's best for my life. Now, when we talk about dreams, we're not talking about sleeping dreams, okay? In the series so far, we've been talking about like the hopes and the, the aspirations. In fact, the dictionary um, records this type of definition of dream like this, strongly desired goals, plans, or purposes for your life. Strongly desired goals, plans, or purposes. In fact, David, who we're going to be talking about today, King David, in the Psalms, he wrote over half of the Psalms. But he wrote in Psalm 20, verse 4, he describes these type of dreams. And he says, may God grant your heart's desires and make all of your plans succeed. We're talking today about the plans and the hopes and the, and the dreams that you have for your life. And Sarah Winchester, man, she chased the wrong dreams. But what are the dreams in your life that you're going, I, I want to do this one day. I, I have dreams and I feel like I've been chasing the wrong dreams in my relationships. That maybe who you're chasing after or the way you're going about it, you know it's not leading to really good things. Or maybe your career choice, you're like stuck somewhere, you know you should be doing something else, but you, you went the wrong path. Or, or maybe it's like finances, you spent your money, invested it wrong, wrong choices, wrong dreams, and you know there's got to be something better. I want to talk a little bit today about those, those heart's desires and those plans that God gives us. Not the kind of dreams that you talk about when you're sleeping, the visions and images. Although next week, for those of you guys interested, we're actually going to have a sermon on those kinds of dreams and the symbolism. And does God give dreams? Are dreams from the Lord sometimes? Are they from the enemy? How do you interpret dreams and nightmares? And my wife is actually going to teach next weekend on dreams. It's going to be really cool, super interesting. If you've ever had dreams and you're like, does that mean something? We're going to talk a little bit about that next week. But today, I want to to hopefully guide you a little bit through the life of David in the Bible, one of my favorite people in the whole Bible through the life of David, that here's a guy that was a young shepherd boy. He was young, early teens, maybe 15 years old. And he's anointed one day by the Samuel prophet to say, I'm going to anoint oil over your head and say that you will be the next king of Israel. Israel already had a king. His name was Saul. But he had let God down and God was disappointed in Saul. And he said, I'm going to pick someone who's a man after my own heart, someone that I can work with. It's going to be righteous and have integrity. And I want you to anoint this kid David. But David wasn't even the son of the king. He had no right to be the next king. But God did this series of events in his life. Young shepherd boy David, through all of these years, these ups and downs and these crazy twists and turns in his life, that basically the God-given dream that he had at 15, you're going to be king someday. Eventually, all these years later, came to fruition in David's life. And you know what? He ended up being not just the king of Israel. He ended up becoming the greatest king that Israel had ever known in Scripture. He's in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 that talks back about him. It says he was this great king. He made some mistakes along the way, but he's also quick to repent and to come back to God. And so God says two places in Scripture, he's a man after my own heart. In other words, here's the story is David had a dream when he was young. And he actually lived a life that that proved he chased the right dream. And he saw his dreams come to pass and be fulfilled. And he became a blessing to so many people. So what we can learn from his life is how do you do that? How do you make the right dream? How do you make the right choices? How do you chase the right dreams? Well, there's a psalm that I like in Psalm 138 that David writes. And basically the psalms, if you read the book of Psalms, they're like poetry, but really they're like worship songs that he was like writing worship songs to God that talk about his nature, his character, our emotions as we we chase after God and how sometimes we're let down, but we can trust in God. Psalms are an amazing emotional book, really awesome. We get a lot of our worship songs today from the book of Psalms. But David writes this Psalm in 138 about chasing your dreams and about where that can get you in life. He says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship 
I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the Lord, the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I'm surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. That's what we're talking about today, right? The plans, the dreams, the hopes, the aspirations. And it says, David is confident. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your, un for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Here's, if I can get any point across and any thought in mind to you this morning, if you're sitting here going, somebody help me make sure that I'm chasing after the right dreams. Here's what you can see that David is saying here. Now, what I want to teach you here that I've learned in my life too is this, is that when my dreams or your dreams line up with the plans and purposes of God, they become the right dreams. If you want to be chasing the right dreams, it's this. It's all the hopes and the desires and who you are and all the things that you're shooting for. But when you line those up with the heart, the will, the plans and purposes of God, suddenly in the midst of that meshing together, you become chasing the right dreams and you're gonna see your dreams come true and it's gonna do amazing things in your life. Amen? Amen. So that's it. And it sounds so easy, but there's a, there's a lot to it. And some of us have a hard time working that out. We're gonna look at that and we're gonna talk about that this morning in the life of David. And I wanna give you five things if you're taking notes. I think these are really good things, simple things about how to be chasing after the right dreams. The first one is this, is that it has to start with relationship. It starts with relationship. In other words, for your dreams to line up with God's alignment, there's got to be some kind of, of relationship there. Can't be you just show up to church one day, I'm hurting, I'm having a hard time, and then like instantly you're going to get one word and then you, you can leave God out of the picture because you understand where you're going in life. No, the whole deal with God is he wants ongoing partnership and relationship. The first three verses in what we just wrote of Psalm, Psalm 38 says there's a give and take. There's this. There's I give thanks, O Lord. I will sing your praise. I will worship you. David's doing his part. God, I want you. I'm seeking you. I'm going your way. But then it also says, if you read that, it says in verse three, as soon as I pray and I'm giving you all this, here's what God gives us. He gives us answers. He encourages us. He gives us strength. Later on, you see that he protects us. He saves us. He rescues us. Do you understand that in order to be chasing the right dreams in your life, that you have to be walking in partnership with God. God, I'm giving you my life and God is blessing back and he's directing us, but it takes a partnership. Now you gotta understand this about David. He wrote this psalm probably later on in life as he was an adult, but he understood that every step of his life all along the way, God was with him. He talks about the time when he, he was a young shepherd boy and a bear or a lion would come along to steal his sheep is that God gave him the strength to overcome and to defeat and to kill the bear or the lion and he gives credit to God. Man, God helped me out with that stuff. He had to defeat a Philistine giant. You know the story, right? David and Goliath is how else could a 15-year-old kid with a slingshot defend the greatest warrior of the Philistines is that God was with him. And all the way along in his life, if you read this story, First and Second Samuel, First Kings, you read all through there, you see that David was a guy that was always walking in partnership with God. And that for his dreams to come true, it's that God was with him every step of the way. And so it starts with relationship. In fact, there's a verse that I love in Micah, the, the sixth chapter in verse eight. Micah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He says, oh people, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you. Hey, what does God want of me, of my life? If I follow him, what's it all about? He breaks it down to this. He says, do what is right, love mercy, 
and walk humbly with your God. And it comes down to it comes down to relationship. The first step in you chasing after the right dreams, how's your walk with God? How's your relationship with God? People come to me all the time, hey, Pastor, my life's this and struggling. I'm like, oh, yeah? How are you in God? Well, I don't know. I just, I just found your church. I just stopped in one day. I'm like, hey, you need to get a relationship with God. It's not about advice from a pastor. It's not about, well, I just read that book and it told me something. It's if you don't have a personal ongoing relationship with God, there's no way you're going to be able to share your heart's desires and dreams and he's going to speak back and, and honor those things if you're not tight with God. Anybody, anybody have friends that... Um, you're friends with them when you're in a group of other friends, but like say you're sitting at a table, you go out to dinner and there's like a whole bunch of people and you're having conversation and you're friends with everybody, but then when your other closer friends like go to the bathroom and you're left with those people, you're like, Ooh. Uh, how's your food? Oh, good. How about you? Good. Uh, right? You're, you're friends in a group, but you're not really real friends in real life. You're like, is it awkward for you to get alone with God and to call God your partner in life? Or is it just easy to come to church when everybody else is Christians around you? Hallelujah, praise the Lord, yeah, sing these songs. And then on the other six days of the week, God's like, so how you doing? And you're like, oh, I, oh, I don't know. And it's weird. It's awkward. I, I don't have that going. How the heck is God supposed to be able to download and share your dreams and mesh with you if you're just awkward? I went to a wedding once. I did a wedding once where I knew the, the, the family, the groom asked me to do his wedding and several of my other friends, close friends, were in the wedding party and we had a bachelor party, right? I was invited to the bachelor party. Kind of weird though, invite the pastor to the bachelor party, but they're all my friends, right? And they're, and they're good guys. The guy's getting married, solid Christians and it wasn't that kind of a bachelor party, right? But we, we, um, we had like a barbecue the night before. It was like a, a, a party. And I was sitting there, so I was friends with some of the people. I didn't know everybody, but plus I'm the pastor, so it's a little bit different. And so all the rest of the group went off to go play this game, right? And I was kind of like, no, nah, I'm just going to sit on the side. It was actually beer pong. Can I just say that? It was, it was beer pong, right? And I was, wouldn't it be cool for the pastor to be like, yeah! So I kind of was like, mm, probably going to sit this one out. So they were all playing, and it's my good friends and everything, but I just felt like, oh, it's weird. You know, I'm doing the wedding tomorrow. Anyways. They went all off to play, but one other dude that I knew, but I didn't know him that well. He's the only other guy that said, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really feeling it tonight. I'm just going to cruise on the side. But it was super awkward when two guys that don't really know each other, suddenly they were just like, oh, how you doing? Uh, good? Okay. Like, literally, it was that awkward for like three hours. Now, here's... <laughs> If it starts off awkward with guys sometimes, it just stays awkward that way. If it was women, you'd be like, oh, I love your lipstick, I love your purse, ah, you know? <laughs> Best friends in like half an hour. But with guys, it was already there, it was awkward, like we needed other guys to break the ice to walk us in, it was super weird. So there's nothing wrong with him or with me. Here's, here's all I'm trying to say is, we just didn't know each other that well. Now here's what I want you to know of utmost importance you can't listen to all the other things I'm going to talk about, about chasing the right dreams, if you don't, first of all, have a good, tight relationship with God. That David knew, man, I got a partnership with him. I can trust him for all the other things that he's going to do in my life, simply because I hang out with him. I know him. I love him. I praise him. I sing. I worship him. And, and you know, when I pray, he answers me. He's right there. He encourages me. He gives me strength. And so it comes down to relationship. So it, remember that. It starts with relationship. Answer the question. How's your walk with God? will make it better, and these dreams are going to become a reality. Here's the second thing is, I believe this about chasing the right dreams, is that God will confirm it or adjust it. God doesn't want to leave us groping around in darkness and lost and go, hey, follow me, but you're never going to know anything. 
His whole deal is, hey, I want to give you a, a hope and a future, and I want you to prosper. And I'm not just going to leave you out there wandering around in the cold, but there's some ways that he's going to confirm it in our life. And I want to list a few of the ways that he will confirm it. You can trust him. Number one is through the word of God, through his Bible. That's the greatest really source of direct truth that can guide our lives. And people are like, well, I don't want to read the Bible. I got to read it. Reading the Bible should never be a got to. It should be a get to. I don't have to read the Bible. I I get to read the Bible because it speaks to me. Look what it says about about his word in 2 Timothy 3.16. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another. It shows us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. So let me tell you this, the next time you, 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 you're looking for answers is read your Bible. But let me tell you this about reading your Bible. Read hungry, read expecting, and read continually. Don't read because it's like, well, I'm a Christian. I got to do that once in a while so I look good, so I know a couple things. No, read it because you're like, I need some answers in life. God, I'm going to look and I'm going to read. I'm going to keep reading until something jumps off the page and is like, that's speaking to you right now, Carl. That's good. Stop on that, dwell on that, write that in your journal. God's trying to speak. He, he will confirm or adjust the plans that you make by using the word of God. Now, here's, here's the deal is, you go through life and you have hard decisions to make and you're like, oh, how does that line up with scripture? What would the Bible say on that one? The only way you get to know that and you can make those decisions instantly when something goes down at work or in your life is if you're in the word enough, that it's into you enough that it begins to affect you. Listen to this story. Duffy Daughtry, this is, this is for all you football geeks out there. Come on, football fans. Yeah, football. Listen, to this. here's a story for you. Duffy Daughtry was a head football coach of Michigan State Spartans from 1954 to 1972. During a road game against UCLA, the score was tied at 14 with just a few seconds left. The Spartans had driven the ball into scoring range, and they were poised for a win. Daughtry sent in his kicker, a guy by the name of Dave Kaiser, to make the kick and win the game. The ball was snapped and it was kicked towards the end zone, but instead of watching the ball sail through the uprights, the kicker immediately looked to the referee. He didn't even watch where the ball was going. This was strange since most kickers watch the ball, not the ref, to see if the kick is good. Anyway, the kick was good. Michigan State won the game. A little later, the coach asked Kaiser why he didn't watch the kick. Check out the kicker's response. Uh, I couldn't see it. I forgot my contact lenses at the hotel. So I had to watch the officials to know if the kick was good or not. Coach, I couldn't even see the goalpost. <laughs> At first, the coach was mad. He had, if he had known this information, he would have never sent the kicker into the game. But the more he thought about it, the less angry he became and the more impressed. Kaiser had kicked the ball perfectly because he was a supremely disciplined kicker. He knew the distance and the angle. He didn't need to see the ball. Hours and hours of practice and careful discipline allowed him to kick the winning field goal even if he couldn't see the ball. Here's the deal, guys. When you're reading the Bible regularly and consistently, it automatically will soak into you and affect all of your decisions. Is that you don't need to, oh no, something came up. I better go look at the word right away. If you're in it in a constant basis, you're disciplined, you're constant, it begins to seep into your, your thoughts and your heart and you just know the right thing to do because you're soaking in it. Is that good? but we got to take the time to do that. 
Like soaking it to the point where it affects you. How many of you guys uh, go to the beach or you have little kids that like to swim in the pool or the ocean all, all day long? Anybody? Your kids are like part fish? My kids are like part fish. They come out of the water and you know what? They show me their hands all pruney. Yeah? You guys know what I'm talking about? Hands are just like all gross and raisiny and you're like, don't touch me. Here's the deal. You got to soak in the word of God long enough to get pruney, to let it affect your life. So get pruney in the word of God. That's my advice for you this morning. Let it get into you long enough that you're like, you're instantly, you know what to do. He'll confirm it through his word. You know how else he confirms it? Your plans? Through his Holy Spirit. It's a real thing. There's not just two members of the Trinity. They wouldn't call it the Trinity, right? They would call it the dynamic duo, the Father and the Son. But it's more, there's three members of the Trinity, and that's the Holy Spirit that God has deposited in every single one of us that believes. And he's going to use the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your dreams so that they're right dreams and not the sinful nature wrong dreams that you're chasing after. He convicts us of wrong. That's part of it. Don't leave it there. Oh, the Holy Spirit makes you feel guilty every time. No, that's not all he's there for. He's also there to guide you into truth. And the positive side of it is there's going to be thoughts and impressions and ideas that you can't shake for your life that God is telling you, you need to go talk to this person. You need to put a job application out over there. And you're like, no, 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 that's, where's that coming from? Must be someone talked to me or watched a TV show. But you know that it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And he's trying to say, yeah, your dream, it's pretty good, but it's a little bit off. I'm going to just put some stuff in your head and some ideas and people are going to talk to you and weird things are going to happen to redirect you. That's my Holy Spirit working in your life to give you the best life possible. But it's Holy Spirit. He's going to, going to talk to us. He's going to convict us. He's going to call us sometimes to pray for specific people. This past week, I tell you, I had a family in my, in my mind that I could just see them and in my heart. And I don't know why they just kept coming across my brain every time. And I'm like, why am I thinking about these people? And finally, I just realized... That's got to be God telling me I should probably just pray for them. I don't even know what they're going through, but I can't get them out of my head, and I don't see them. I haven't talked to them. I don't know why. I just feel like i got to pray for these people. And I I can't wait to see them next because I'm going to ask them, what's going on in your life? Because the Holy Spirit told me to pray for you. So something must be going on. He'll he'll tell us things like that. Once when I was a youth pastor in Huntington Beach, my wife and I, we had like 150 kids in the youth group, all the, the HB surf team and all of this. And we had just this, this huge youth group. The church was like less than 200 people. We had like 150 kids in the, in the youth group. It was awesome. And so we loved these kids so much. And we felt like God called us to be their pastors. And one night, through different circumstances, my wife woke up having weird dreams that she felt were spiritual dreams that, that said, we need to pray for all the kids in the youth group. We need to pray. Something, something's going on. And she was in my daughter's room. She came in and she told me, hey, I feel like God wants us to pray. I was already kind of tossing and turning because I was feeling something's weird. Something's not right. It just, it feels wrong. And so we need to pray. And so we sat there and we just prayed for like a long time. I, like, like, I don't know, we just, in the middle of the night, sat up and prayed for half an hour, an hour or something like that. And we literally prayed the names by name, every one of our kids in our youth group. We just prayed protection on them and we didn't know what was going on. And we felt like we did our duty and we went to sleep. And the next night, we went to youth group, and um, I shared it with the kids. I said, hey, you guys, you guys know how much we love you? Like, we literally, we felt like the Holy Spirit woke us up last night, and we, we prayed for every one of you by name. And we don't know what's going on, and we don't know why, but we just, just know that we love you, and that God loves you, and he's trying to tell us to pray for you. And then in the small group time after or something, uh, this girl says, hey, you know what um, Pastor Carl was saying tonight? That was my sister. And Kanani's like, what do you mean? She goes, well, 
you know how he said that the, the Holy Spirit woke him up to prayer? Yeah. Well, my sister last night, she's in the eighth grade, and they were going to have a party for her eighth grade graduation or whatever, and, and grandma had gotten all this stuff, and it was adults there, so she had gotten alcohol and everything, and my sister didn't, never drank or whatever. She decided, I'm just going to try. So she grabbed a bottle of vodka. She went into the closet by herself, and she pounded like almost a whole bottle of vodka. A little eighth grade, skinny little girl, straight alcohol poisoning. They found her in the closet, in her own vomit, passed out, not responding, rushed her to emergency. She died twice on the table while they pumped her stomach. They revived her two times. And then she turned out, she was okay, and she recovered and everything. But the girl says this, you were praying for my sister at that same exact time that that was going on in the hospital. And we went and told all the kids, and we're just like, <gasps> and I'm like, the Holy Spirit is real, and he will confirm or adjust what you're supposed to be doing in life if you're listening. So he speaks, guys, I'm telling you this, because this is my point is, God will confirm or adjust it through his word, through the Holy Spirit. Here's the other way, is through people, other people. He speaks through people. Here's what I think. You have an idea of something going on in your life, and maybe it's a big decision to make. Don't just think you're good enough. Always ask a second opinion. Ask people that know you and love you, but also know God, and they love God as well. Because then you're going to be hearing from godly wisdom. Before you like quit your job and move to live on the beach and become a hippie and do whatever, like, oh, I feel like that's what God wants me to do. Ask a second opinion, right? Get somebody else's opinion. Um, no, you're an idiot. <laughs> Don't do that, right? Ask someone that knows you well enough to speak to you and knows your life, but also knows God and loves God as well. Because sometimes he's going to confirm it through the different people that are in your life. David, the one that's writing the psalm, here's a guy that, that when he was a young kid, that he had Samuel, this prophet, that came by and anointed him and says, God has a dream for your life. And Samuel encouraged him along the way. He became best friends with the King, King Saul's son, Jonathan. And the two of them were partners. And they would, they would, it says in one point that Jonathan came to David and helped him find strength in God. Like, make sure that you get a second opinion from people that love you and they love God. And then he had later on in his life, Nathan the prophet that came to him when King David screwed up and sinned royally. The whole incident with Bathsheba sleeping with her, having the husband murdered, Nathan was the guy that came along and says, look, I love you enough and I love God enough to tell you the truth. You've got a blind spot. You screwed up and you need to repent. And he came in and it helped lead him back to repentance with the Lord. But do you have people in your life that will help you confirm the vision and the dreams that, that you feel like they're the right ones? Make sure you got people like that. And then the last way I think he confirms it is through miraculous events through things that, that don't make sense in your life. And you're like, that's weird. That's a coincidence. What a random blessing. What a great opportunity. You got to realize that God's acting in your life. He's orchestrating. He's nudging you in the right direction if you're aware of it. 1 Samuel 18, 14 talks about David. And it says, David continued to succeed in everything he did, meaning he was chasing the right dreams. For the Lord was with him. I mean, just bottom line is this. You send a 15-year-old with no armor, no weaponry other than a slingshot up against the greatest warrior of a nation who's like seven, eight, nine feet tall, this giant guy with spear and all these weaponry, and this little kid takes out a giant warrior with a slingshot, with one rock, first try, whoosh, bam, yeah! Right there, you gotta understand, wait, that's weird. Like, how is that possible? And David knew that he was walking in the favor of the Lord that I'm to go after this dream of being king one day and that circumstances happen. And in your lives, God wants to do that. When you see like a random opportunity that's like, I wasn't even looking for that job. 
but the door opened and I went for it and I was good. You know what that is? That's God trying to direct you and to confirm some things in your life. Certain people come and talk to you and you're just like, well, how did that happen? God is going to work through miraculous events if you understand that. You know, I, I came back um, about 15 years ago. I was, I was in Huntington Beach, youth pastoring. And um, I had moved up there to go to Bible college and all that. But I, I felt God through all these miraculous events calling me back to come back to this church and to become the youth pastor here. Eventually, I went from youth pastor to college pastor, men's pastor, preaching pastor, whatever. I became lead pastor about five years ago or something. And my dad was a pastor at the time. And um, he had me speak one time when I was living up there still. He had me come back and he had me speak. And he had me preach all weekend, which was a kind of a big deal for me. It was like four or five services. And I preached and I was like still trying to figure out, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I know I'm supposed to serve you. Don't know where I'm supposed to stay in Huntington or come back to Hawaii at Kaneohe. Like, what, where am I supposed to go? And I came back and I preached one weekend. And my dad said this afterwards. He goes, man, that was so anointed. God loved God loves you. You preached a good word. The people loved you. And I'm like, oh, I hope so. I don't know. I'm like, you know, I was shy and all that. And he goes, this is back in the day when we used to sell um, audio cassettes. Remember those? Remember? Yeah. <laughs> audio cassettes and CDs of like the sermon messages. Now they're all online. But we used to sell them. And my dad said this, you sold more audio cassettes and CDs than I've ever sold any weekend here in this church. God has his hand on your life. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy, right? But you know what that was? That's God doing weird, miraculous things. The favor of God is upon you, Carl. You're meant to come back to this church and become the pastor of this church. You understand what I'm saying? Is that, that things that you think are coincidence, you know, I like how people always say it. No, they're God incidences, which I think is kind of one of those cheesy Christian things that we always say. That's a God incidence. Hallelujah. And I, I get it. But sometimes it just sounds corny to me, like cheesy to me. But I believe that with all my heart is God speaks through miraculous events in your life. Now, here's the third thing that, that I think is important to know about chasing the right dreams. You have to keep moving forward. If God confirms something in your life, you got to chase after it. Because if you just stop and sit still, then the dream will never come to fruition because God never fulfills the dreams of people who aren't chasing them. You hear me on that one? God never fulfills the dreams of people who aren't chasing them. In other words, nowhere in scripture does God reward the lazy, the stubborn, or the just like the people that are just stuck and they're stopped. When David heard you're gonna be king one day, he didn't just go, I'm just gonna cruise then. I give up my shepherding job. Dad, I'm good. I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna be king. I promise it's good. No, David kept shepherding. He kept fighting Goliath. He kept moving forward. He, he began playing the harp for King Saul. He became a warrior. He got married. He, he moved forward in his life and as you're moving forward, then God gives you the direction. But if you're stopped, nothing happens, right? So you got to keep moving forward. But I believe this, and I, I preach this a million times, that it involves baby steps and open doors. That's my theory to faith in life, in walking the life of faith. Write that down, baby steps and open doors. What do you mean by that? If God confirms that you're supposed to be going in one direction, you don't stop. But you also don't run ahead of God and think like, oh, I got this, right? You take baby steps. Lord, slowly, I'm gonna be walking towards what I think you want me to do. But God, I'm gonna look for open doors. And if you open a door in my life, an opportunity, I'm gonna walk through it. But if it feels like the door is shutting, then I'm, gonna, I'm just taking baby steps. It's easy to back out of it because I didn't run into that room. I just baby stepped into it. Oh, it's closed. Okay, walk out, shift directions, start baby stepping the other way. Does that make sense? You're depending on God all the way. Is you don't just stagnate, but you gotta keep moving. Um, I believe this is that not just you got to keep moving, but sometimes you move too fast and you get ahead of what God's plans are for your life. And you can run ahead and you can miss him. 
You got to do it his way. That David always walked and kept pace with God. And dreams are pro- progressive, meaning in the life of faith, God doesn't give you all the answers. He gives you a glimpse of the destination, and you have to keep checking with, in with him along the way before you can get there. You know, it's like driving. I was driving in the mainland. I drove tons of miles in the mainland. Like one day, I drove 685 miles. That's gnarly. Like that's like 80 times around the island. No, I don't know. <laughs> but that's a lot, right? And I had to drive from Eureka, California, all the way down to Huntington Beach, California, 217 uh, Odyssey Honda minivan we rented, the family in the back, but that was a mission. And we stopped a, a little bit along the way and all that, but I was shocked when I like, got, this is what I looked like. Can we show the picture of, of this is just, <laughs> that, <laughs> I was thrashed right there. That's like, ugh, right? It's like, I just was so shocked. But the deal was, I knew in Eureka, California that my goal was Huntington Beach. So I already knew the destination, awesome. And I could have said, I got this, head south, just drive. But California is so big is that I could have went every which wrong way, freeways, I had to constantly check in with the GPS, right? Google Maps was on my little phone and put it in, in front by the speedometer. So I had to know where I was going. I knew where I was going, but if I just went and missioned it on my own, I could have ended up in Nevada. I could have ended up you know, off a cliff into the ocean, who knows? But I needed to keep checking with the GPS. And that's what I want you to know is that you got to keep moving forward, but baby steps and open doors. You got to keep checking in with God. Here's the fourth thing is that the challenges that come along the way to your dreams are necessary. They're not necessarily always throwing you off course. Sometimes God is having you go through the challenges because it's actually making you better and stronger. I believe that the hard stuff prepares you for the good stuff. Sometimes in life, the only way to get there is through the valley, is over the bumpy road. It's because God's trying to expand your capacity for the future, right? It's like from me being the youth pastor that I was, um, learning the lessons there, it enabled me to become the men's pastor, enabled me to become the senior pastor. It's like, you got to go through the hills and the valleys because I wasn't ready for some things. It could be that the challenges in your life, how many of you guys have a challenging job that you don't really like right now or a boss you don't really like? Right? Anybody, some of those hands it up fast, like, yep, me, right? You're in a situation where you're just like, oh my gosh, this is so hard, I hate it, this is terrible, I want to be my own boss one day, and God goes, I'm going to honor that dream, that's the dream I have for you, but the way that you get there is I'm going to prepare you by being under a bad boss in a bad environment, and you're going to learn what not to do, because someday you're going to be the manager of that, you're going to be the owner of that company, but you have to go through this or you'll never understand how to be good at this. Does that make sense? Challenges are necessary. And here's my last thing in regards to chasing the right dreams. Is that the right dreams are custom made for you. The right dreams are custom made for you. What I'm saying there is, don't compare your dreams to someone else's. Don't waste your life chasing after someone else's dream. Because a lot of us, we do. The problem with uh, Instagram, Facebook, social media is, everybody else's life looks better than mine, right? I look at it, I'm like, oh man, I wish I was more adventurous. I wish I loved my wife with all of those roses and flowers. I I wish I did it. Like everywhere, like just compares like how lame I am and everybody else looks awesome. But we know the truth of it is it's everybody's highlight reels and it's not all one person. It's all the different people out there. But sometimes I compare my life and my dreams and I'm like, I wish I was just living that guy's life. I wish I could have that guy's destination and dreams. And God says, it wouldn't be a good fit anyway. Remember David? He's getting ready. 15-year-old boy. He said, 
that Philistine giant, Goliath, I don't like the way he's talking about my God. So you know what? I'm going to do something about it. Everybody in your army scared to fight him? I'll fight him, King Saul. And they're like, really? You're 15 years old. Like, like well, you're going to get killed, so I may as well give you a little bit of a fighting chance. Why don't you try on my armor? And David probably said, whoa, I've never seen that before. Oh, it looks expensive. The king's armor. Oh, it looks expensive. That's the, oh, that thing looks durable. That looks solid. Like, yeah, let me try that thing on. What did he do? He tried it on, and he goes, ah, can't do it. It's just not a good fit. So what did David do? He took it off. Do you realize that in David's life, that God used David just the way he was, with the slingshot, with no armor, to accomplish huge things, kill, kill giants, uh, conquer all these lands, do all they did, become amazing king. He used David just the way that he created David to be. That David's dreams were going to be fulfilled, custom made for David. You don't have to be like Saul. Is that making any headway with some of you guys? You're like, you're chasing after your friend's dream life. I wish I could be a husband or a father the way that those guys are. You know what I realized? In about 10 days of traveling with my kids and, and being all over planes and, and road tripping and staying in tight quarters and all of this stuff, as I compare myself, I wish I was a father like that. Man, I wish I could be more like that. I, I realized this and spending all this time with my kids is I'm exactly the right man for the job to be the dad of my kids is that they get me and I get them. And can we just show that picture of my kids? Us on our way out of Disneyland is, man, I love my kids. And I realize that my sense of humor and the way that we talk and all of this is I'm doing a pretty good job of being a dad to these three kids right there. That Kylie, Isaac, and Samantha, they love their dad. And we get along and there's little times when we beef and stuff. But God's dreams for me to be an awesome dad for these kids, it's custom made and it fits like a glove for me. And that the dreams that God has for you, ah, don't chase anybody else's dream. Dream your own dreams because God custom made them for you. Now, here's the cool thing is at the end of David's life, there's a couple verses that I love that talk about how he finished and was he able to chase the right dreams. First Kings 2, verse 1 through 3 says, as the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon, who's going to be the next king. He says, I'm going where everyone on earth must go someday. Take courage and be a man. Then he says, observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all of his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses, which was the Old Testament law about how to live with God, so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. You know what David is in essence saying is, I chased after the right dreams because they were God's plans for my life. And when I did so, I was successful. Now Solomon if you can align your dreams with God's plans and his law and purposes for your life, you will be successful everywhere you go. And then in the book of Acts, in the New Testament, fast forward several hundred years, Acts chapter 13, it says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, his body decayed. In other words, he served God's purpose in his generation, in his life, in his situation. He finished well. He chased the right dream and it came true. From shepherd boy to the greatest king of Israel, man after God's own heart, overcoming some mistakes and flaws along the way, he followed the right dream and they came true in his life. Now, rewind the tape and remember back to the beginning of this thing. Sarah Winchester spent 38 years of her life running from ghosts, building onto this house that you go and you tour it and it's a nice tourist attraction, but really it's, it's a joke and it came to nothing. There's nothing that productive that came out of 38 years of running from spirits and building on your house and confusing ghosts. 38 years of a wasted life. I don't want me or you 
to be the one at the end of your life to say, I can't believe I wasted my life chasing someone else's dream, chasing the wrong dream that didn't lead to anything. I want us to be like David to say, man, we, we serve the purposes of God in this generation, in my life, that I was successful in everything that I did because I chased after the right dreams. I don't know what the dreams are for your marriage. I don't know what dreams you have for your career, your education, I, ideal place to live in life. I, I don't know what dreams that you're dealing with. I'm telling you this, if your dreams begin to line up with God's purposes, then you're gonna be chasing the right dreams. Amen? Is that a good word for you guys this morning? Thank you, God. That's good stuff. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. Thank you for the life of David. Lord, thank you that you do give us dreams, that we're not robots and we just have to live on earth doing exactly everything that you say and we don't get to be our own men or women, but Lord, that we're allowed to dream that you've got custom-made dreams suited for our place in life, who we are, no matter what, our financial background, our ethnicity, Lord, how popular we are, it doesn't matter. You've got really cool dreams in store for every single one of us. And if we can just align those with, with your heart, Lord, then we're, we're gonna live fulfilling, purposeful lives and we're gonna have a good time doing it. Lord, I believe in the process, you're gonna bless people through us. You don't wanna just bless us, you wanna bless others in our lives around us and through us. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to get confirmation, help us to discover those dreams, help us to, to realign, readjust, maybe re refresh the dreams that you've given us, that you place in our hearts, our desires, and our plans. Lord, I pray right now for, for anybody in this room that, and maybe you came here today and you don't really have a walk with God, like the first point I made, the relationship. Maybe church is a new thing to you, or maybe you've gone for a while, but there's never really been a connection. It's just that you know it's a good place with good people. But if you want it to be something bigger than that, a real life connection where you feel God at work in your life, where he's guiding you, directing you, confirming the, the decisions that you make, if you want that, then I want to offer that to you this morning. And it's actually easier than you think it is. It's not about a whole bunch of religious rules and regulations. It's literally just coming to God in your heart and saying, God, I just want to follow you. Lord, I just want to do things your way, and you lead me and you guide me along the way. There's a mess in my life I need to clean up, but if I just come to you and trust you and your word, then you're going to help me clean up that mess. So God, I, I don't really know all there is to know about religion and Christianity, but I'm, I'm telling you here today that I want to choose you and I want to follow you. And if you're at that place in your life right now, I would love for you to allow me to say that prayer with you. We just pray it together. I'll pray it out loud. You pray it in your heart to God. You just kind of use my words to be your words to God right now and, and he'll meet you and everything changes today. It's really that simple. You just keep pressing into him and he'll, he'll make some incredible changes in your life. But if that's you this morning, I just wanna, I wanna give you an opportunity to, to come into that relationship with God. So here's what we're gonna do. Everyone's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed in prayer right now. I'm gonna say a prayer with some of you in a minute that's gonna get you in right relationship with God. But before we pray, I just, I'm gonna ask you one thing and that's just if you could let me know that we're praying together. And all that is, is I just want you to have owned up to someone else to say, yes, I want to choose to follow God, to be a Christian. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you real simple. One thing is, I'm just going to count to three. This is just a little simple deal. When I count to three, you just raise your hand and let me know, Pastor Carl, I want, I want to follow God today. I want, to, I want to be real with this thing. I want to be a Christian. I want to know it. I want to see what God could do in my life. So if that's you, or maybe you're someone that's sitting here today and you, you haven't been to church in a long time. Your heart hasn't really been in it, and you're, you almost feel guilty for even coming in the room here today. God doesn't think so. He's not judging you. He's so blessed that you came today, and maybe you're at a point in life where it's time to get things right with him again. It's time to come back with him again. Well, this prayer is for you as well. 
So whoever this prayer is for, on the count of three, would you just let me know who I get the privilege of praying with by raising your hand? One, two, three. Would you just lift your hands right now, hold them up. I just want to count. I want to, I want to acknowledge you. I see one here, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 18, 19, someone, right on. There's a lot of you guys. If I didn't see you, God saw you, and he's so proud of you, so stoked. But this is for you right here. You alone change your life with God right now. Just pray this. As I prayed out loud, you prayed in your heart. God, I'm here today, and I'm serious about this thing. I want to come back to you. I want to come to you for the first time. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to literally walk planet Earth about 2,000 years ago to show us the way to have a relationship with you and that he did the ultimate sacrifice that any person could do. He died for us. I believe Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for my sin and my separation from you, God. Lord, I believe that he died for me, but not only died, he didn't stay dead. He did what nobody else could do is he rose from the dead on the third day, documented by eyewitnesses, by history, that this really happened. People can't explain it, but it happened. He did it for me. So I believe the power that you have over death itself is also the power to take away my sin and my wrongdoing and my bad decisions in life. Lord, I may still mess up along the way, but my new eternal position is one of your child being in the kingdom of heaven. If I were to die tomorrow, I know where I'd be going because of this prayer right now. And Lord, from here on out, I'm committed to living my life for you, to getting into your word, to reading and understanding the Bible, to coming to church, to getting water baptized. There's a baptism next week, God. I could get baptized there at the beach with this church. But God, everything that you have for me, right now my answer is yes, I want to follow you. Thank you for being my God from this moment forward. Thank you that I look forward to heaven. I'm not afraid of death anymore. Lord, but you're going to begin to bless my life in ways I can't even imagine. Thank you for loving me, forgiving me, for accepting me as your child. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Can we praise God for those people this morning? Amen.